cliffcentral.com. I want to ask JJ Cornish about him, actually, because, you know, JJ reports on Africa to the rest of the world. And, and here within South Africa, he's one of the most clued up people when it comes to figuring out what's going on in, you know, the countries great and small on this continent of ours. So we, we may have to ask him. But uh, we are joined by JJ Cornish, who's not only a journalist of great repute, but a man who works for so many news agencies. I've lost track. I mean, he, ra- he writes for... Agence France Presse, he writes for a number of publications here in South Africa. The BBC uses him a lot of the time. He does uh, reports on radio and television. So we're very uh, privileged and uh, and delighted to have uh, J.J. Cornish with us this morning. We'll talk in a minute, J.J., about the agenda, which is how much better women are at running uh, a crisis in a country through COVID than, than men are. And and there's there's evidence to back this up. But before we get to that, first of all, how are you? And second of all, what what do you take uh, out of this Lesotho situation? Well, uh, to answer your first question, Gareth, good morning to you. Bonjour. I am uh, immensely well. Any better, I would good. have to inform the authorities. You know, no <laughs> middle age deserves to be as well as I am. For Lesotho. You know, uh, Lesotho has been is entirely surrounded by South Africa and has often, often, often uh, been in an enormous mess and created the, the, the biggest problems for itself. Now, here we have Tom Tabani, who's a man who's uh, had uh, at best described a checkered career as Premier. Uh, he's been ousted and brought back, and the region has had to back him up enormously. Uh, and, and now we hear that he's... Uh, Second wife was involved in killing his first, and that there must might be some collusion. Right. Uh, the, the point is, though, and 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 this is something that is more or less regional, certainly continental. When a whiff of scandal comes, uh, then then uh, you you step down. That is how it works. You step down, and uh, if you if you then cleared, you can come back. You know that dog in the background is the only one allowed on the London Underground, eh? <laughs> what, are you serious? A Cavalier King, King Charles, Charles Spaniel? Spaniel is the only one allowed on the London un- Underground. Yeah, unless it's a guide dog, of course. You mean Carl could go with me on the Underground Carl? and no other dog? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Carl is known I will give you many of them today, Gareth. Carl? Wow, that's phenomenal. Look at you. You're yeah, yeah. surprising me about uh, this, this, this. Why are they so special? Well, because King Charles Spaniel, you know, they, they yeah. of royal lineage and they oh. were bred by King Charles and Stalin. Oh, wow. yeah. Okay. So, there right, you so, go. so you've, you've not only informed us about what's going on with Tom Tabani, but you've also helped me figure out that if I ever go to London, my dog can accompany me on all public transport. <laughs> Now, now, now let's turn to something of even more uh, startling significance because we're we're sitting in a world where government startling. I mean, no, not startling because it's it, because of the gender of the people in discussion, but we're dealing with a world where governments have made horrible decisions and decisions that will impoverish people for a generation, decisions that will send uh, swathes of the population into unemployment. Many people have also been taken out by this hideous disease. But, but we discussed our response to COVID-19 on the burning platform when we last had you here. And you said to me the other day, hey, wouldn't you like to compare the women leaders of the world and the men? And let's see who made the better calls. So what have you, what have you got for us on that front? Well, there's no doubt that the women have made the better calls. There have been some few token good men. <laughs> but the fact is, <laughs> okay. you know, here we have... 
there are two elements in, in, in dealing with COVID-19 All right. that are, are going to cause us to look again at the way we run the world. One is the economy. I, I mean, the environment, excuse me. Certainly the economy, we're going to look, you say, a generation. I certainly hope we fix it in a generation. But the environment, we have dirtied our planet and suddenly not using it to the extent that we have, we see a remarkably clean and unsullied planet. Now, are we going to learn lessons from that and allow this to continue? Hmm. The second is that we have sold women short classically through the ages and suddenly it is the women who are coming up as the better leaders in the worst crisis in modern history. And they are coming up trumps in doing that. And are we going to, is this going to be the turning point where suddenly we don't recognize women for being what other directed and emotionally mature and those sort of things, but we recognize them for their resilience well, Theresa May would have probably pointed us to that before the COVID-19 pandemic, but for their pragmatism, for their benevolence, and for their simple common sense. You know, Gareth, there are three elements, I think, in, in, in dealing with COVID-19. All right. Three elements that have contributed to its rise. Population density. Yes. Exposure to the outside world, travelers, etc. Right. And thirdly, the speed with which... Governments reacted, i.e. closing down their countries to prevent COVID-19 coming in and spreading. Now, the first two, you can't really attribute to leaders. But the third, that sort of leadership is right down to leaders. And when you get what, you know, the the, the many weeks that Donald Trump and that uh, Boris Johnson, I nearly called him Bojo the Bog Roll Bandit, as as the sunlight (laughs) to do, because, you know, he... Because why? What did he do? With, of, what did he do with bog roll? Well, he, he, you know, he had cartons of toilet rolls sent round to number ten. When, <laughs> when, when we still believed that was the one thing we were going to run out of, and the, I think it was the Sun. But one of the tabloids had as its headline the unforgettable Bo Joe. That's what they call Boris Johnson. Bo Joe the bog roll bandit. <laughs> I love that. All right, but you you said that the first two we can't do much about, but I do recall Donald Trump putting a ban on China flights right in the, in the end of January already. I mean, Some of them. It, 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 was, it was a token thing. He did not close off. I mean, Chinese were still allowed to come to, to uh, America. Wasn't that, no, no, no. What, it wasn't, it wasn't certainly that, wasn't a ban. Uh, wasn't that repatriation of Americans to America? No, he brought some Americans back, but he did not close China down as he claims to. Okay. All right. There were many, many Chinese coming through. Now, of course, with his election in mind, he's saying all kinds of things. And in fact, he's blaming everybody in sight. Uh, Barack Obama for, for taking the stocks of medication, the World Health Organization. And we're getting, we're going to talk about that later, possibly, but the World Health Organization saying cost many lives. In fact, Donald Trump's reticence and, and belief in that it was simply a, the flu and his uh, uh, inability to act quickly is the thing that has cost many lives in America and got those huge figures of deaths and cases. It's not Andrew Cuomo so, sending old people back into retirement homes after they'd been tested positive. Well, I mean, there are many, many contributing factors, but certainly Donald Trump has, uh, what do you say in, in COVID's case? You don't okay. say blood on your hands. You probably say, well, I don't, Watch, want, I, don't want to, I, I don't want to talk about him. Tell us about these women. Here we go. Now, let's talk about the leaders. 
the ones that come to mind immediately as the strongest, Angela Merkel of Germany, mm-hmm. Jacinda Ardern of New Zealand, yes. Jana Marin of uh, Finland, Erna Solberg of Norway, uh-huh. Katarin Jakobsdotter of Iceland, and Tsai Ing-wen of Taiwan. All right. Those are actual leaders. I also bring in Nicola Sturgeon, the first uh, uh, minister of Scotland, who stood up to uh, to Bojo. And, uh-huh. and uh, you know, they have, and what, what is in, in, in every case, they have acted quickly, acted decisively. And, and this is because they have dealt with the common good. It seems to be that women have a greater, uh, you know, as I say, we, we disparage them, the woman leadership in the past, talking about their other di- direction and their uh, emotional maturity and that sort of thing. But they have shown that they have what is really counts as leadership, vision, okay. inspiration. They're all of them insp- inspirational leaders. The direction setting, what should we do next? And the ability to think outside of the box. They've all displayed this enormously. As I say, some men have also, yeah. but the, the, but in, in virtually every case, 7% of the world's leaders are women. And this list I've given you here is probably makes up a, a good percentage of that, you know, probably more than half of them. So, so, you know, they take advice. They are more community spirited. Men regard themselves as, uh, you know, up for re-election and that is what they've got to look for. Keep their eye on the main chance. The woman seem to look to leadership. Now, now it's a fact that uh, 80% of American men, certainly, when asked about the leader they admire most, and, uh, and 75% of men think that they are smarter than the average. <laughs> that figure is only 57% when it comes to women. So they don't have this hubris. They don't have this, well, what is the word? Arrogance. Mm. And so I believe very strongly that they have shown themselves to be the predominant leaders, the better leaders in this crisis, the worst crisis that we've under, uh, experienced in our lifetime. And, and that hopefully this will be the turning point that we will look again at women leaders and regard them simply as leaders and hopefully as good leaders. Now, I know, I know Pumi's, Pumi's thinking that I, I put you on this morning, especially to, uh, to, to sing praises of women. But honestly, Pumi, this is a lot of this is news to me. I didn't know some of these leaders' names until this morning. Well, what, what do you think of this? Look, and the other thing that they have all done exceptionally well, and, and Jacques, I, I don't know what you think about this, is, but they're also very communicative. So when they talk to their constituents, when they talk to their countries, they're serious about it, and they, they, are, they have empathy, and they know how to, unlike what we've had, where we've had this authority kind of top-down, is they've been very much a, guys, we're all in this together, we, we have to do something about it, this is serious, I mean, the, the quotes, I think, from um, New Zealand was, this is serious, take it seriously. She took it seriously and the rest of the country took it seriously as well. So that's the other thing that they do very well. I mean, if and you think, and about, I think as a result, they're emerging from lockdown way ahead of everybody else. Um, uh, certainly they, they've managed to keep their infection and, and 
uh, death rate very, very low. Uh, and maybe that's just because New Zealand is so small and so isolated anyway, but she certainly uh, stepped up. I mean, I don't, I don't like her accent, but I can only admire the way that she's run things. <laughs> what have you got against open vowels? I just don't understand. You know, I, did you see I was very careful not to interrupt you because then she would have said, ah, typical male, you're not even listening to me talking about women listening. But, you know, she's so absolutely right. Women are inclined and women leaders are inclined to consult far, far more widely than men who work on their hunches and their gut feelings. And yeah. this is what I feel. And, uh, you know, this is w- what I believe should be happening. And uh, men don't have, and my, my favorite expression, as you, as you will have learned last time, is I don't know. Now, women are more inclined to say, I'm not sure. And ask people and look around and consult more widely. Men, particularly men politicians, have an absolute pathological inability to say, I don't know. Let me ask. But I have one name for you that's going to ruin your theory. Well, I'm not saying that she... I'm... I'm, I'm I go back a long way with Nkozazana Dlamini Zuma uh, from the days when she was foreign secretary. I remember coming out of press conferences. She used to put a hand on my forearm and say, come here and want to talk to me about a few things and, uh, and ex- you know, fulminate and carry on making the point she was making. I used to have to say, Minister, I've actually come to your press conference to cover it. I've got to go and write copy now. Please, can we talk another time? Oh, so she's a, she's a chatterbox. No she likes to, she likes no, to well, have but a... No, she just wants people to understand that uh, there's, uh, th- there's more to her. I think, and there certainly is. I mean, you know, you make a big mistake sort of dismissing in Kozazana Dlamini Zuma as uh, the, the, the former wife of President Jacob Zuma. Yeah. She is a significant woman. She is, and uh, other women like to call her a warrior. I, I cannot uh, but agree with her. She is a fighter. She is formidable. But she does have a very sharp, not to say spiteful side to her. And uh, did you see what happened to the journalists? You remember that uh, Canton and I said, well, her equivocating, not equivocating, but her standing firm on the issue of cigarettes made President Cyril Ramaphosa look a bit silly. Within mm-hmm. a few days, he came up and said, no, 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 that was a joint decision. I was there. Did you see the journalists on ENCA who, who criticized her and said that she had played a, made a power play against no, they had Cyril to, Ramaphosa? They had, to, they had to be suspended yeah. and make an apology. They made, they made, well, all journalists, made, every apology made by a journalist is a groveling apology. Yeah, always. Look, but I think that the, the thing with it's, it's a misnomer to think that Zuma is the person that on her own has all of the sway. I mean, I know people who are in that room with the, with the, um, with the council. National Coronavirus Command Council. But, and, and fascinatingly for me is that the, the word coming out of there is that the person who is right at the top there is, is the health ministry. So Zueli Mkise is the person with the largest share of voice. Zueli and his uh, advisors have the largest share of voice, followed by, surprise, surprise, Begitaile, and whether they can um, enforce any of the of the rules and and all of the the crazy things and regulations that are coming out that the the council that the health council are feeling they are trumping everything and i think look you know it's just it is for all of us on the outside it's easier to just blame another 
Yeah, I know. And I, I was, I was half being sarcastic when I brought her into it because there are as many bad women as there are bad men in the world. But there, there seems to be, and, and I don't disagree with any of the things that either you or Jean-Jacques have said for me about how women are more consultative, more community, community orientated, more empathetic. I get all of that and I'm, I'm absolutely on board with it. In fact, I think it's probably what has made the world a lot more peaceful in the last hundred years as opposed to the previous couple of thousand where it was only men in charge and it was usually a disaster. You know? I, I, I'm worried about, uh, I hope that uh, Pumi wasn't uh, uh, slagging off uh, uh, Becky Kayla. You know, he, he is in fact, uh, uh, the, uh, people say that he should have been put in charge of a country, uh, a more authoritarian country, mm. and that he's strongly anti-booze. I can exclusively reveal that he's he's easing up on the alcohol ban. And and he's making concessions that from today we are going to be able to buy ice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, JJ, what what are the other what are the other countries in Africa up to at the moment? Do we have any updates from the last time we spoke to you about how uh, Zimbabwe, Zambia, our immediate neighbours, Mozambique, Namibia, Botswana are dealing with uh, COVID? Whether anybody is is dealing with it better than we are? I don't think be dealing with it better. I, did you see the Zimbabwe media literally coming apart? They're going to probably not be left with any newspapers at the end of it, uh, and and. and uh, that's a very sad thing. But, uh, you know, I know that I traveled with, uh, when we did the obligatory tour of United States with journalists from all over the world, I had a Zimbabwean with me. And when we spoke about problems in the media, yeah. uh, you know, we spoke about sort of ideological and political problems. His always was newsprint. It was purely coldly financial. And now that nobody is buying newspapers in Zimbabwe, I think those newspapers are going to fold. And, and that would be very, very sad because Zimbabwe, uh, in terms of political space being closed, closing up still under, uh, uh the, the, the new president, uh, uh, it, it, it's in dire straits. So it needs its media and that's going to be very sad. I see that in Mozambique up north, uh, Cabo Delgado, they're still having problems with the jihadis and that the Tanzanians have moved troops onto the border. Uh, but in terms of uh, what is happening in, in fighting COVID-19, I, I don't think they're doing a terrible job. Uh, Botswana is uh, uh, battling on, as is uh, Namibia. So in the neighborhood, uh, we, we, we are, and, and, and Lesotho, of course, has very few. Lesotho only recently had its first case. Huh. So we, 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 we're not doing too badly. When we do open up, of it coming in from immediate neighbors is, is not something that should be front of mind. Okay. But a little bit further up north, um, JJ, they're, they're not dealing with it very well because there's a lot of denials coming out of the rest of the continent, a little further up north, kind of, and suppression of data. So the numbers aren't being reported as well as we're reporting our numbers. It's, I think it's a little bit of a, but that's um, African leaders and, and a well, uh, well established way of dealing with things with some of our older leaders on the continent is not. I did, I did a piece this week for me on, on the, or last week, in fact, on the, um, remedy, herbal remedy that, uh, Madagascar is selling and got furious that the World Health Organization gave it the thumbs down saying if this had been a European remedy, it would have been seized upon. Uh, the fact is though that Tanzania sent a, Tanzania, which has a, a president, John Magafuli, who has a chemistry degree, sent a plane 
to pick up a plane load of this remedy. Yes, uh, from, Equatorial from Guinea, yeah. Guinea uh, Kenya, Nigeria, Niger, all but, but, picked up uh, on this thermal remedy. John so, Magufuli was also the one who made them uh, bring in the tests, and then he he thought these tests were a bit suspicious, so he let them test some of it on pawpaws and goats and gave them human names, and they came back positive, and he said, hey, hey, guys, you're pulling the wool over our eyes. Please don't send us rubbish tests like this. He he fired his chief scientist as a result of That's that. That's right. And, and, yeah. and John Magafui, again, where, as Pumi says, plays with figures, you know, and then he, he, he tells churches to open, and then he vacillates. John Magafui... Uh, a populist and authoritarian. You know, I wish he was more like Ben Mpaka, who the previous president who this... Sorry, JJ, we lost you there for a second. Coronavirus. You were saying the, the former president, okay. and then you ben, cut out. Sorry. Benjamin Mkapa saying, we will rise from this, but we've got to do it right. And he is talking about nature. He says the degree of this uh, pandemic is very largely attributable to us, to to ignoring the realities of nature, that this is the source of our food, the source of our energy, the source of our water, and we've got to look after nature. And this point I was making earlier, hopefully we will have a cleaner planet at the end of it. Well, the thing we have spoken on this show, and it's one of my favorite cures for the flu over winter, we've spoken about uh, the cure coming out of Madagascar. And I can send you some, Gareth. We've spoken about it, right? Have you got some? Uh, well, I get it from Kandako's grandmother's garden, right? Because ah. it grows like a weed. Okay. This is the African wormwood. Remember, we spoke about it all those many months ago. Okay, all right. You're going to be my this is you're, what, you're my sangoma. So this is it also a kind of at about 95 degrees. It's like tea. You drink it like tea, and you can put honey in it. It tastes bitter as hell, but it it works for chest infections. So it works for the flu. It works for colds when okay. you have it, and as you know, Kanejo's got um, asthma, and this is our standard kind of one tot a day for the winter months. So I will be taking that as well. I'll send, I'll send you some if you want. Well, JJ, it sounds like we should send you a consignment as well. Well, I'm vegetarian, so I can't take the chicken soup from, uh, you know, from <laughs> the Jewish grandmother. But uh, maybe this this does have, has apparently had uh, beneficial effects for those suffering from malaria. Uh, but, you know, uh, Gareth... The very first lesson you learn as a journalist is don't talk about miracle cures. They don't exist. And that is why, as responsible journalists, we don't talk about cures for cancer. Yeah. Although, if you if you look at social media, you get a new one every three minutes. And and the fact uh, is, and the fact is, be also, very careful talking about cures. Like even even all this hype about a vaccine, we know that I- even if they develop a vaccine, and by the way, they've never developed a vaccine for SARS and MERS, which are most closely related to this coronavirus. Um, They've never developed those properly, and and we know that the flu vaccine only works half the time. So we've got to deal with this. We've got to live with this. There was some good news about vaccine. Moderna, the company, reckons that they could have it out by January. Everybody is racing. This is now we're getting to the World Health Organization assembly. And yesterday, Cyril Ramaphosa, our president, was saying that we South Africans are working on that vaccine, and what eventuates has to be for everybody. This is something. It's a global thing, and. We've got to look at it together. We've got to work in solidarity. Uh, but we very proudly are part of the, the uh, efforts to this vaccine. I mean, we have, again, 
further afield, uh, uh, not a million miles removed from uh, Washington. People saying that, you know, they're putting up a vaccine and they're going to buy all the stocks they can. They literally want to buy the vaccine and vaccinate the American people first. Now, now that sort of thing is absolutely anathema in terms of the World Health Organization. We need to do it. Uh, we had uh, apparently scientists, you remember three weeks ago, for, oh, two, last month, we had those idiot French doctors talking about testing the vaccine on poor Africans who have not had preventative measures to COVID-19 in the same way as we should test uh, HIV vaccines on uh, uh, prostitutes who are not properly protected. The, uh, the uh, doctors had the good sense to apologize and to pull their necks in after that. But we do have now scientists saying, yes, when we, and, and, and the, the outcry simply said, Africans are not going to be the guinea pigs, are not yeah. going to be guinea pigs for testing the vaccine. But now scientists are saying, but of course, when we have proper tests, proper clinical tests, we do have to have Africans in that because we have to know that the vaccine is going to be efficacious for the entire world, not just for parts of it. Yeah. Now, that makes a lot of sense, but I, I think we're putting far too much stock in the idea of a vaccine like it's going to be a cure. And I think this, this disease will be around for many years, and we will have to learn to live with it. Well, indeed, we, indeed we will, and, and more and more uh, medical experts are saying that, you know, uh, that we're going to have to – well, and, and we are going to have to, but the point is if you can vaccinate no. – uh, uh, the, the, the effects and the ability this disease will have to overwhelm our medical uh, services mm-hmm. will Well, I'm afraid I'm going to have to draw our, our little party to a close this morning because we have to get to blind history. And, and Jean-Jacques, it is such a pleasure to speak to you. Cliffcentral.com.